morning, Grace Chapel. I'm so glad you're here this morning. I'm glad to be here. I'll tell you that worship session worked out my, my, my vocal cords, so I need to speak a little slower this morning because I'm so worn out. That was wonderful worship. Again, most beautiful sound is you guys singing. I love it. Love that. So uh, can we give it up for our worship team and our tech team? Thank you, guys. Yeah. Great job. Always love it. And um, uh, so we're, we're going through this series called The Power of Routine. And this is our third week on it. And we spent the first two weeks talking about prayer, which was really exciting to me. And, and I hope you enjoyed it. We, we learned uh, that we remembered the why about prayer. And Jesus, if you remember, taught his disciples without them having to ask the question, why do we pray? He answered that why. And the why is because God loves you and wants a relationship with you. And he doesn't care about formalities. He doesn't care about the words and, and, and speaking in public. He cares about you and he wants to meet you in private. That was the why behind it. And then Jesus gave us the how. And if you remember, it wasn't a what. He didn't give us the what to pray. He gave us how to pray. And the how was declaring his greatness, surrendering <clears throat> excuse me, to his will, and admitting our dependence on him. <clears throat> it was a powerful moment there when Jesus delivers that, excuse me, that frog that just won't go away. It was a powerful moment when Jesus delivered that to his disciples. Hey, Jim. Wow, buddy. Thanks. Um, by the way, I should mention, Jim is going to be preaching in a couple weeks, so you guys better be nice to him. Yeah, somebody better bring him water when he gets a frog in his throat. Thank you. Um, but this power of routine is all about our daily routine, and, and Jesus is preaching about prayer and why we pray and how we pray, and he ends this with our dependence on him, and he ends it with, don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, and it's this acknowledgement that we need him, and we need him on our life, and we need him on a routine basis, and that's really where the power of routine comes from. It's this daily connection with God. And it's powerful. And so this morning, we get to talk about Scripture. We get to talk about why Scripture is powerful and where Scripture gets its power from. But let's pray first. Would you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be here with each other, with you, Lord, with your Holy Spirit, and then with our fellow brothers and sisters. God, it is, it is wonderful to meet with you. Um, God, and I just ask that you would encourage those that are down this morning, those that are frustrated or confused or tired. God, I ask that you would encourage those that are excited and, and, and feel up today and feel good, that you would encourage us as we look at your word, as we go out from here and go about our day, that this week would be filled of reminders for us to depend on you and how much you love us. We thank you, Lord, in your name, amen. Routines can be painful at times. Routine can hurt. We talked last week about my um, rough uh, entrance into the running world and how painful that was. Sometimes routines are so painful, it, it, the first step into the routine hurts and it, and it reminds you of how bad you need the routine. And then once you hit a groove, you, the routine can be uplifting, it can be peaceful, it can actually clear your head and, 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 and give you um, less stress in your life. It's just like a, a really good run. If you've been running a while and you, and you had a rough week and you just, you hit the running trail and you just, everything falls off you, clears your head and you can just run. That's the power of routine. 
Sometimes getting into a routine is difficult, but once you hit that stride, it can produce peace in your heart and in your life. And that's a little bit about what the power of this routine is and why we need God in our life so we can hit this stride and reduce our stress in our life. You know, I can remember as a child, I grew up on a farm. Um, In fact, I was born uh, in Geneseo, Illinois, where we had a farm there in Illinois. And I don't really talk about that farm much because we moved uh, when I was four. But even three and four years old, I could remember that farmhouse. And we had a big fireplace and a living room. And my dad, after dinner, he would call us all in and we would read scripture together. And, and it was this one of these things that my dad was so disciplined in. Um, and I can remember just night after night after night, it was like an after-dinner routine. My dad, he comes out every now and then, you meet him, he's this big mountain man with a big beard and, and just the deep voice to go with the figure, you know? It's just this deep, soothing voice. And, and I can remember falling asleep on the rug in front of the fireplace, listening to my father read the Scripture. And it was his voice that, that was so soothing to me. And I knew my dad's voice so well. I mean, I, I heard it in the womb, and, and I grew up listening to it and, and reading Scripture, and, and he introduced me to God and to Jesus and to all this. And I could tell, maybe you had a father like this, I could tell if dad was upset by the tone of his voice. He could yell at me across the field, and I knew I was in trouble just by the tone of voice. He didn't have to say anything. Or, or on the other side, I knew when he was happy and when he was pleased and when he was excited. This tone of his voice was something I just learned, I picked up on. Maybe you grew up that way. Maybe you had a voice that you identified with that drew you in, gave you peace and security. When my daughter was born, you know, we had nine months with her in the womb, and, and she and my wife got to know each other really intimately. And I got to know her through my wife's belly, right? And I would talk to her, and she would kick, and and we had this budding little relationship. But when she came out, it was the most traumatic experience of her little life. She was scared to death. She was cold. She was upset. She was afraid. And I can remember walking over to that table where the heat lamp is on her, and she's writhing in pain, and I call out to her. And I say, Angie, Angie. Daddy's here. And I have it on video. She looks over at me in these unfocusing eyes and is just reaching out, and I grab her little hand and it soothes her. It's my voice, it's the voice of her father, and she knew it even then. And it soothed her little heart, and she calmed down and she began to trust in my voice. And that's powerful. We all grow up this way. We are all born with the capacity to trust. And unfortunately, some of us learned at an early age how not to trust, but some of us learned how to trust, whose voices we could trust. That's the way we all were born. It's the way we all grow up. When we look at the Scripture this morning, we're going to go all the way back to the beginning to our Heavenly Father's voice. If you brought your Bible, you can turn to Genesis chapter 1, but I will warn you, 
if you brought your Bible, it's the only time I'm going to warn you if you brought your Bible, I am going to go through passages very quickly this morning. We have a lot of ground to cover and a lot of exciting things. So, don't feel guilty if you brought your Bible, you can sit it next to you, and you can watch as Dwayne tries to keep up with me with the slides behind me, okay? So, we're going to have, hopefully, we've got it all covered, but we're going to go quick. So, turn to Genesis 1 if you want, or just sit back and relax, because here we go. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3 is where we're going to start. And God said, and God said with his voice, God said, let there be light, and there was light. Fast forward, verse 6, God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water, and it was so. Verse 9, and God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. Verse 14, and God said, let there be light in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And it was so. Verse 20, and God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vaults of sky. And it was so. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them, and it was so. God said, God said, God said. From the very beginning, and it's not just the beginning of this book. It's really not a book. It's a compilation of many, many books put together that we call a book. Even in the beginning of this book, but even, even in the beginning of time, God's voice existed. And God spoke, and it was so. And God spoke, and it was so. Over and over and over. And as he forms this new world... With the power of his word, nature recognizes it and renews it as its father, commanding them from a very beginning. We knew God's voice. God spoke and it was so. We're going to fast forward to Jeremiah chapter 23. And I have so many passages, I have to use these little bookmarks here. Jeremiah 23, verse 29, God's nation, Israel, is on the earth, and they're struggling. They're struggling in, in unique ways, and in this particular passage, Israel is, just, is struggling. Its prophets are claiming the name of God, and, and they claim that God said this and said that when it wasn't so. And they were trying to utilize God's authority by saying that they heard voice, they heard God's voice when they hadn't. And as you could tell or imagine, that upset the father. <laughs> he doesn't like his name and his voice being used for other means. So this is what he said to Jeremiah to tell to the nation of Israel. And it's in the 23rd chapter, verse 29, the Lord said, Is not my word like fire? 
declares the Lord. And like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces, His word is like fire. It's powerful. And it's not to be taken lightly. And Jeremiah has to deliver this message to Israel You've been listening to the wrong word, and you've been claiming that this is God's word when it's not. God's word, he calls it like fire, like a hammer that falls and crushes the rock to pieces. It's God's word. That's our Father's word, and it's the way he describes it. Through the prophet Isaiah, God communicates again in chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 8, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my thought, my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In verse 11, if you skip down, so is my word that goes out from my mouth it will not return to me empty. I will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That's God's word. His word is in the beginning. His voice is heard by nature in the very beginning of time. And God describes his voice like fire, like a hammer that falls. And he says to the nation of Israel through the prophet Isaiah, my my voice goes out and it does not return to me empty-handed. It accomplishes what I want it to accomplish. That's powerful. It reminds me of my father's deep rumbling voice as he read to me the word of my father, God. It meant something. This is the kind of voice that sinks deep into you, whether you want it to or not. And he accomplishes what he wants to accomplish with it. It's powerful. This is the Old Testament. This is what the nation of Israel would have grown up listening to or reading. This is what God says about his word. Does anybody know what the densest object in the universe is. <laughs> I know some of you are thinking, oh, it's a, it's a black star. It's a, it's, it's a, um, a black hole. <laughs> it's not a black hole. No, no, that's past the event horizon. Obviously, I'm sure you guys all know that. It's not the densest object in the universe. No, it's a neutron star. Where are you going, Josh? Neutron star. The densest object is a neutron star. It's the size of like our star that gets crushed down by an implosion. And it gets to be the size, they say these things can be the size of Massachusetts. Can you imagine the sun, dense down, same density, the size of Massachusetts? That is density. Fast forward to the New Testament. There's a man who followed Jesus his whole life. He was a disciple. He had seen the fall of Jerusalem. One of the last things he did in his life, like many other people that followed Jesus, he said, I'm going to record I'm going to try to record my, uh, my experience with Jesus. And, and this old man is sitting there and he's trying to, to go back to the resources of his brain and, and, and describe to us what Jesus is like. 
This is what he says. This man was John. And this is John 1. He says, in the beginning was the Word. See the capital W? John the disciple gives Jesus the name Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of man, of all mankind. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. All of God's word, all of it, comes down to the densest, to one singularity, the densest point of God's word. And this old man, I can see him just trying to get the words out. What do I call this? How do I describe it? It's the accomplishment of God's word that I will name Jesus. It's the densest part of God's word, and it's the singularity. It's the all of God's word put together into one point, and his name is Jesus. John goes on in verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. And that old man who's sitting there shaking, trying to get these words out, stops for a minute and begins to cry because his name was Jesus. And John got to look in his eyes and understand that this is the most powerful point of Jesus's or of God's word. And I'm going to call him word because it's the only way I can describe him. He's like the neutron star. He's the densest part of God's spoken word, because God did all of this with his word to accomplish what Jesus came to accomplish. It's the power of God's word. Hebrews, see, I told you I was jumping around. Hebrews 4.12 says this about God's Word. And I think the author of Hebrews does this on purpose. We can look at this with a capital W word, or we can look at this as a lowercase word. Verse 12 of chapter 4, the author says this, for the Word of God is alive and is active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It, It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That's powerful. God's word from the very beginning, his nature recognizes it. He describes it as a, as a hammer, as fire. And, and God says, my word never comes back to me void. It always comes back to me as I, dis, as I accomplish what I want it to accomplish. And John is sitting there trying to describe the word, uh, this, this thing, this man named Jesus, and he calls it God's word. And Jesus shows up and accomplishes what God wants it, him to accomplish. And then the author of Hebrews says it's alive. This, this thing, this scripture, it's alive, it's active. And if you let it, it will penetrate deep into the resources of your heart. It'll change you from the inside out. That's powerful. This is what the Word's half-brother died for, James. 
James, the half-brother of Jesus, the one they call light, the one they call word, the one who called himself the I am. This is what James died for. I don't know if any of you have brothers, but what would it take for them to convince you that they're the Christ, the Son of the living God? It would take a lot. Take a lot for my brother to convince me of that. James, the half-brother of the Word. We'll call him that this morning. James, the half-brother of the Word of God, says this in his, in his uh, letter to the church in Jerusalem. Chapter 1, verse 22, James says, Do not merely listen to the Word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. It's God's word. And it's written down for, our, for us in this simple little leather-bound book with little tiny, clear almost pages. Do what it says. Do what it says. Just like the light in the beginning did what God's voice told it to do. Just like the water, just like the land, they listened to the word. And they did what it said Just like me falling asleep in my father's house, listening to that deep rumble, him reading scripture to me, and I was so safe. I had all kinds of concerns and cares, but those all seemed to melt away when I could hear my father. Just like my little girl, scared and afraid, traumatic experience. She cries out to me, and I respond with my voice, and it soothes her, and it gives her peace. This is the power of God's Word. This is the power of His spoken Word to us. I could go on and on about how we got this thing, how it came to pass that we have this written down to us, and we are so blessed to have this because there's people in history that would have died to be able to read the Word of God. And here we have it. Here we have it. And it sits in a lot of hotel rooms. <laughs> Gideon's Bible in the book, in the, in the little nightstand. Nobody pays attention. The routine of letting God, your Father, speak His words into your heart daily is powerful. It's powerful. It can soothe you when your life is falling apart. It can affirm you when you feel God's uh, blessing on you. It can guide you when you're confused and you don't know where to go. And this is the reason it's powerful. It's because it has this ability to sink in. It's active. It's alive. And it can impact you in a way It makes you decide X over Y. It impacts you deeply and it can give you peace. 
And just think about the holidays coming up. For some of us, the holidays are this wonderful time and everything is right with the world. But for many, many, many people, it's a reminder of the chaos and the pain and the sin that this world has. It's not a time to be close to family. If your family has left you and you're alone, it can hurt. And during those times, our Father gives us His Word, and it gives us comfort and peace. It's powerful. So why wouldn't we want that on a daily basis? Why wouldn't I want to hear my Father's deep, rumbling voice that produces peace? Why wouldn't I want that on a daily basis? I can get lost. I can get distracted so easily. And all it takes is a few minutes going, Father, what do you have to say to me? And he recorded it here for us. This is the main thought this morning. Daily absorbing and applying God's Word, subsequently the most powerful substance imaginable, it produces peace in you. It produces peace in you when peace shouldn't be part of your life. <laughs> it produces peace when it's, Ill, it's not logical, it's irrational, but it can produce peace in you. So the power of routine this morning is taking His Word, your Father's Word, the same words that He spoke before time, and letting that Word dig deep in your soul, letting it absorb, just wash over you. Let your heart soak it up. These are your Father's words, and it's the same words that set time, space, and earth in motion. It's the same words that hold the galaxies and our universe in place. It's the same words that come through my voice to my little girl when she's on that delivery table scared to death. Where does that leave you this morning? Where does that leave us this morning? We can walk out of here feeling encouraged about Scripture and about what this is, but what does it look like in your life? And how do you use this in your life in a way that will minister to you the way you, where you are now? And maybe you're one of those people that hasn't really ever broken into this thing. It's intimidating. You, you flip it open and you land in the book of Job or the book of Exodus and you're reading through going, what in the world? This doesn't make sense. Why do people think this is such a great thing? I'm totally confused. So this is what I would recommend if that's you. Just dip your toe in the water. You don't have to jump in all. You don't have to jump in the deep end. Just dip your toe in the water. There's this app that you can download on your phone. It's produced by the developers called Uversion. And they make this app for you for free. And it's the Bible. It's the whole Bible. And it's any translation you want or pretty much want. And they do this amazing thing where you can hit play on that thing and it will read to you the Bible. We are in a time and an age where you don't even have to read it to yourself to absorb this. And maybe this is you. Maybe you've never broken into this. Hit play on the Gospel of John as you're driving to work. And see what it does. See if it rings in you. And do that for a few weeks. And when you're done splashing around in the, in the kiddie pool, maybe you've been doing this. You've been reading the Word or you've been absorbing it this way. And, and you're at that point where you're kind of curious about really the depths of what it means. It's time to start doing some laps. Let's take you into the, the, the lap pool and, and, and teach you some strokes. 
This is the backstroke. This is the butterfly. There's Bible study tools out there, and I would say, you can quote me on this, there's probably too many Bible study tools out there. There's more Bible study tools, maybe even by double, that we need (laughs) in our Christian world. People love Bible study. There's hundreds of them. In fact, you go right back to that free app that you, that you found, and they will give you free Bible study tools to help you understand the Word. And they'll say, hey, take John 3.16, and you spend a couple days on John 3.16. They'll give you all of what it means and all the ramifications of it, and, and you can start engaging your brain in a way that's exciting, and you can dig deep and learn about God's Word. And you're doing laps, man. You're just rolling up and down the pool. Everything's fine. Maybe you're the person that has been doing that as long as you can remember. Yeah, Josh, I've been studying the Bible since before you were you, right? (laughs) That's okay. Maybe it's time for you to climb up to that high dive and take that leap of faith and dive off the diving board deep into the deep, cold water. This is what I would recommend if that's you. I wish I had another hour to describe to you what Lectio Divina is. Just Google it, Lectio Divina. It's a sixth century meditation practice with Scripture. St. Benedict, I think, is the one who they say uh, invented this. Google it, Lectio Divina. This is, this is learning how to understand Scripture with your heart instead of your head. Now, it's not saying that studying Scripture with your head is bad. It's just a different way. Study it with your heart. Listen to God's Word with your heart. Lectio Divina. I do this two to three times a week. It's powerful, and it's difficult. It takes discipline. It's a routine. There's another one that's even even more uh, difficult to do. It's called the examine. And the examine uses meditation practices and scripture to self-reflect. The examine is meant to be done over six to eight hours. It's a big thing. Maybe you're feeling like, you know what, I've been diving deep for a long time and I want to know what God really has to say. It's you. And maybe you've been doing this a long time. Maybe you've been diving deep, you've been swimming laps. Scripture is well known to you. Time to mix it up again. And you listen through the Bible on version on the Bible app. Just let it fall on you without engaging your brain? What does it mean to constantly have the Scripture in your heart and in your head? There's a period of time where I had a long commute, and I had 30 minutes at a minimum one way, which at any given part of the day would go to about an hour and 20 minutes if, if traffic was bad. So at times, I would have three, sometimes four hours in the car doing nothing except driving and hitting my brakes a lot. So I pulled up version. It's not an advertisement for usually. They, get, they better pay me for doing this. And I let the Bible play. And I listened to the entire Bible something like five times in a month and a half. It's possible. I didn't have time to think about what each little passage meant and the cross-references and what the Greek says and what that commentary thinks and on and on. I just let it wash over me. And it was amazing. So hopefully this morning you've got some encouragement It's a way to move forward. But I would tell you this, and I will remind you this. Daily absorbing and applying God's Word. Doing it daily. The most powerful substance imaginable will give you peace. And that's the power of the routine of letting Scripture speak to us. Let's pray together.
Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the chance to look at your scripture, to let your words, Lord, your voice speak in our hearts. And God, for some, I ask that your voice and your word would be soothing. It would be peaceful. It would allow stress and anxiety and fear and frustration to fall off their shoulders. And for you to remind them that you are their father and you love them. And for some, Lord, I ask that your word would go deep into their heart and cut them in a way that inspires change, conviction, because, Lord, your word is powerful. It is like fire, and it does not come back void. Lord, we thank you that you're our Father, and you know exactly what we need. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your scripture that you've given us to know you more and to allow your love to penetrate deeper into our heart. Your name, amen. Can we stand? The head that once was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now. This Savior knelt to wash our feet, now at His feet we bow. The one who wore our sin and shame, now robed in majesty, the rainy of perfect love now shines for all to see come on sing it out your name your name your name is victory and all praise will rise to Christ our King your name, your name is victory. Lord, praise will rise to Christ our King. The fear that held us now gives way to him who is our peace his final breath upon the cross is now alive in me is me 
of defeat The resurrected King Is resurrecting me In your name I come alive To declare your victory The resurrected King Is resurrecting me By your Spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat, the resurrected King is resurrecting me. In your name I come alive to declare your victory. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. Spirit, I will rise from the ashes. 
joining us this morning.